0: So, we're here today with Jessie Smith with Oaksterdam University, representative of Oaksterdam University, but also an awesome, awesome person and a human being that I met not too long ago and had a wonderful conversation with. And she has a great background, and I'd love to, to talk about that.
1: And Josh is here. Yeah, thanks for being on the show, Jesse. Um, James has told me a lot about you. Um, so if you don't mind just kind of taking off and just kind of letting us know how you kind of came into this cannabis world.
2: Absolutely. Well, nice to meet you as well, Josh. Um, yeah, my story into the cannabis space really showed up about 20 years ago, um, little give or take 20 years. Um, and it, my entry point was really with my own experience with chronic pain um, back in the late nineties, I started passing three to five kidney stones a month and they had me on, um, they, they basically just gave a 19 year old kid, three unlimited refills of three different kinds of pain pills and just let me have at it and manage my own pain that way. And so needless to say, I was, losing my mind um i was in that kind of coming of age period of my life and i wasn't able to really come into my own power during that time because i just didn't have access to my brain anymore yeah um and i was in illinois at the time which um i mean nowhere in that time period nowhere was cannabis friendly but <laughs> illinois especially was not cannabis friendly right um, so shortly after you know move into the year 2000, and I ended up moving into Seattle. And I'm sitting there talking to my doctor about, you know, what are my options? You know, she was talking to me about how I probably need to figure out some sort of pain regimen. And they couldn't figure out why this was happening by any means. And, um, and I told her, no, I'm like, I'm, I, I'm done with the pills, I've got to figure out something. And she just kind of looked at me and she said, well, if we were in the state of California, cause California had just gone medical for the, the first state, they were really pushing that, that boundary right there. She said, you know, if we were in California, I would recommend cannabis for you, but where, or she didn't say cannabis. We didn't say cannabis back then. We said marijuana.
0: <laughs> or weed.
2: Weed. <laughs> pot. <laughs>
0: we'll say pots. So we'll say weed. Sorry. Right.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. And so she said, you know, if we were, if we were in California, I would recommend, um, medical marijuana for you, but we're not, so I won't. But if we were, I would, but if, you know, we're not, so I won't. And you know, that, <laughs> okay. that little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And sure, sure enough, I, I tried it, and this was the early 2000s. And this wasn't the first time I had tried cannabis. This was maybe, I had, I grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Nebraska, not too far north of, of Oklahoma here. And no on, said, right? And so, you know, I I maybe experienced it twice in my life. The paranoia that I had experienced, you know, I don't know if it was being in a red state. I don't know if it was just how medicine has evolved over the past 20 years. But man, it just freaked me out and I couldn't try it again. Ah, But I tried it in Seattle. And after three to five months of being regularly on it, um, I stopped passing kidney stones. They stopped forming. My pain was managed. I no longer had pain because I no longer had kidney stones. Um, And it's funny, you know, I've actually, I've talked to a lot of medical professionals about my entry point into cannabis. And they're like, well, we've seen no research on, on kidney stones in cannabis. And I'm like, you see no research on anything, first of all.
1: Right. And, you know,
2: and I actually had, when I was getting my first medical card, I had a, a, a doctor kind of challenge me on it. He's like, well, I don't know if I can give, give a medical, I'm in California at the time. He's like, I don't know if I can give a medical card for something that's, that's, you know, completely unknown. He's like, why does cannabis support kidney stones? And I said, well, okay, let's think about this. Kidney stones are associated with stress. They say people who have a difficult time processing stress create kidney stones sure what does cannabis help with stress stress <laughs> <laughs> and then you look at the negative side effects of cannabis being cotton mouth well what do you need most with with kidney stones you need to flush your system with water and so if my medicine is constantly reminding me to drink fluids right I'm helping myself. Yes, drink that water. We're on video. For those who don't know, we're on video. And so James just cheered me with his water there. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, the the doctor even challenged me. and, And I, like, within a couple minutes, he was like, this totally is legitimate. This totally makes sense. He's like, sure, there's no research on it. But everything you just said to me, absolutely, cannabis and kidney stones, sure, no problem. And he signed my medical prescription and I was on my way. You know,
1: well, and that I think that touches on something, too, that is something often overlooked, is that you were trying to treat the root cause of your pain.
2: I didn't know not, it at the beginning. Not
1: the symptoms yeah. of the issue, you know, yeah. and I think that's sometimes what gets us between a rock and a hard place Absolutely. with the medicines.
2: Sure. absolutely and you know and i it helped i was also doing things like um acupuncture i was trying all sorts of new things and I, and so acupuncture was helping in and you know just nutrition in general um shortly after i you know my doctor nudged me to um try cannabis if we were in a legal state you know that whole conversation shortly after i decided to go back to school for nutrition I was definitely leaving leaving a very unhealthy life. I was working in audio production and I was working those 60, 80 hour weeks. And I was, you know, in my young 20s. I was trying to get ahead of everybody. It was a cutthroat world. You know, I was was taking naps under my console. Fast
0: food was real food.
2: Oh, any food. (laughs) I I was like, whatever can be delivered to my studio. Yeah. Point,
0: Michigan. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. And so I had actually gotten to the point where I was, um, gosh, about 290 pounds and a size 22 and just really living an unhealthy life at that time. And, um, and so I decided to leave all of that and go into nutrition. So I went to, I went back to school, um, and I got my associates in nutrition and I did all of my pre-med. I was actually going to go to school for acupuncture. And, you know, because that very much helped my life. And I was going to go into a doctor program for that. And and I ended up taking one environmental science class that changed my life. And I had uh, this professor who really just challenged my thought patterns on how Mm -hmm. there is that aspect of poor nutrition in our culture. But there is also those aspects of toxic toxins coming into our lives, And so I became less interested in how do we keep our bodies in highest nutrition and more interested in, well, how do we just keep the toxins from entering into our system?
0: Right.
2: Um, And I had this great conversation with him and it was all about the early research of what hemp was showing. And so how, how, I don't know if you, how much you guys know about the cannabis plant and carbon, but the cannabis plant has more carbon per cubic inch than any other plant. In a field, from a cannabis plant, you're actually sequestering...
0: Oh, we're losing you.
2: ...densely packed carbon plant that is also... Managing the nitrogen, it's managing pest control, you know, all of these holistic things when it comes to farming. And so, you know, I I dropped out of, or I finished my pre med stuff and decided to go into toxicology, moved across country to Massachusetts, which had luckily just went decriminalized. And so I went from Washington State to Massachusetts, luckily, you know, two safe zones at the time. Um, and I, I went to school for toxicology for a while, um, and then got into three right. car accidents right. in seven months. I had to just throw my <laughs> hands up and be like, "All right, universe." None of them were my fault. I was like, "I'm obviously on the wrong pathway." Like I was on this pathway. I was going to become a toxicologist, and I was like double majoring. And I'm I'm in my, you know, young thirties at this point. I, I was like <laughs> thirty, I think, actually, probably. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do environmental toxicology and environmental policy. I'm gonna go become a grassroots lobbyist for environmental efforts, which we all know doesn't pay. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna go to pay back my student debt. But I get into these three car accidents and I'm like, okay, universe, I'm obviously on the wrong pathway. Right. You want me to be doing something different, <laughs> what is it? And so what does a person do when they get into three car accidents? They throw everything that they own into storage and they take a six month road trip. Of course. (laughs) Why not?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or that, right? (laughs)
2: <laughs> right. oh, dude, I almost bought a motorcycle and didn't I like I your style. A I so like your so style. I it's a little loose, kind of but I like
0: your style. You're driving, Greg. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, we're all 30 at one point, right?
0: Right, oh, right. Wow, <laughs> Good yeah. choice. Cool. Are you just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can just uh, uh see you picking up somebody <laughs> and uh little cutaways. Oh yeah, I from mean the, I was going to have the
2: lumber
0: really probably in my head. Right. Just go man. So just <laughs>
2: It does, but I mean, sure, I had yeah, very yeah. aggressive plans, <laughs> very aggressive, like, it, I was in Massachusetts, fun, I was going to make it all the way to LA like on a the road trip, and, you know, and then get on a plane and go to New Zealand sure. and learn about sheep farming and herding, and, you know, so I was very aggressive with what I was going to do in six months. And so I get, let's see, I leave Massachusetts. I, my whole plan is to just go to farms, to organic and sustainable right. farms and um, intentional communities. So I make my first stop in West Virginia. Um, that was a great experience, especially with my toxicology background, just hearing about, and I know you guys deal with this here, how land and mineral rights are not attached to each other in some, some areas and um and so i ended up landing on a horse farm where you know gosh probably a year before i showed up the people who owned the mineral rights basically put a drill right on their land tapped right in completely killed their water aquifer their well was now toxic they're hauling in water from wherever to to keep their horses going And, and that was just like a really big wake up call for me about what life is like in many areas that involve mining, that involve that the oil industry, the fracking industry, things like that. Um, And so that was the first farm I worked on. And then I um, took a great road trip through, through Kentucky, learned all about the bourbon industry through personal experience. Yeah. 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 Time there is <laughs> a week I will always right, right. kind of remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Some good music from around there too. Some great huh? music, yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Sure. And then I wandered down into Tennessee and um, found this great little hospital in the middle of nowhere, about ninety miles south southwest of of Nashville, and um, got challenged. That, that first morning that I woke up in this hostel that was on an intentional community down there, got challenged by someone, you know, and he, he just said, you know, what are you running from? And I was like, oh, I'm not running from anything. He's like, nobody puts everything they own in storage and hits the road without running from something. You might want to figure out what it is, or you're going to keep running for the rest of your life.
0: Wow. Mm, and I was wisdom. like,
2: who are you stranger?
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so I sat there for a moment and I was like, I, th- I think that I'm running from academia. I've been trying to continuously learn my whole life. I'm just addicted to knowledge and I keep trying to go back to college. I was on my fourth attempt of getting my bachelor's. I'm like, and I left again, but I left because, and he's like, well, why did you know, what are you running from academia then? I'm like, because I'm doing toxicology and I'm sitting in these classes and I'm learning about the the bell curves that the government makes all of their, their decisions on and the appropriate loss of people, the appropriate costs for the greater well good, you know, and I'm learning about all of this. And my breaking point really was when I was given this assignment of determining how much lead can be in the water supply of a school before the school needs to get canceled. And I just looked at the professor and I was like, none. Like, yeah, it's math. not zero. There's a there's a legal limit. They have 8 hours of exposure, do the math. And I was like, no, 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 you're making me choose right now which law I am going to follow. The one that says our children can consume lead or the one that says we will provide a safe place for our children to learn. Right. No. I you're making me make assumptions that they have a safe place to live, that 16 hours of their life has clean water. And so we can go ahead and give them eight hours of dirty water.
1: Right, right. Well, and making you choose between a job and your own moral code.
2: Exactly. And so my morals really got challenged. And that was. Well, it's
1: also okay, right? Because we all grew up
0: that way. (laughs) I'm being sarcastic, (laughs) by the way. Uh, You know, that's the mentality that you have. It's like, hey, that's the way I grew up. Why not? Right. You know? No, and it's like, a lot of different things, but if you really step back and look at these little human beings that matter so much to us, would you, you're okay with taking that chance? You know, the it's, it's is. yeah. Right. And that's a
2: problem.
0: And not just water.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that is our
0: life. I, I do understand that there is a numbers game here, there's a numbers issue. There are a lot of children in this world. However, if you set the foundations up properly, just as you set the foundations up properly before, then there is a way. So yeah. Anyway.
2: And so I, I to the, told this person, correct? person, this. You know, I said this is this is one of my challenges. This was my breaking one of my breaking points, and he sat there and he rattled off all of these plants and fungi that have been known to actually uptake lead from the soil and from the water that you can then do biologically active composting with to break down that lead, to make it so that it is no longer toxic to human. And I'm just like, wait, what? There are solutions. I've been chasing academia and they're not giving me solutions. They're just, telling me how to mitigate and manage problems mm. and so I threw out the rest of my road trip and I stayed there and I actually studied under this individual um, and his name is uh, Cliff Davis he's down in Tennessee he's no longer teaching but he he's running a, a great little farm down there completely organic and it's all permaculture I don't know if you guys know permaculture at all um, and so I really entered into this permaculture world which is a beyond organic, farming, but it's beyond farming. It's how you run businesses. It's this kind of mentality that there is no waste, that everything that is waste actually is potential uh, profit. Or if you are doing something that involves a waste that you cannot transmute and put into something else, then maybe you need to reconsider what you're doing.
1: Sure. Um, It's a different way of thinking about life, not just your job or not just every problem that we come across.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so my six month road trip turned into me living down in Tennessee for about seven years. Right. (laughs) Um, And while I was down there, I just never stopped learning. I started putting on educational programming, bringing people from around the world to this small rural area in Tennessee to all learn about how to create businesses, about how to create sustainable land, um, how to design appropriately, um, how to just, I mean, we were doing herbal classes, um, and it was basically a a way for me to get paid to never stop learning, which I absolutely loved.
0: Sounds awesome.
2: Really? Yeah, and so I spent five years down there living um, off-grid completely. You know, on solar panels, water catchment, um, hauling water, chopping wood. Um, you, you learn a lot when you're having to be really connected with your survival. You learn about how to thrive, um, and I ended up getting pulled out to California to go work on a soil by bi- soil biology research farm, and it took me all of about two months before I started making my own cannabis infused topicals, um, and started, you know, and back then that was before prop 64 in California. And so as long as you had a medical card, you could be part of a cooperative. And so you could make things in your home and sell them to the cooperative. And then they could sell them to their other patients. And so it was a really nice system, um, that California had at the time, which, to an extent, Oklahoma has almost like a modified version of it with, with right. how they, that, that access of entry point that Oklahoma created reminds me a lot of those old days in California.
1: Right. And I mean, I think that's honestly, I mean, California, Colorado, and those states that you were in before you came to Oklahoma were, we, I think we kind of adopted pieces here and there mm-hmm. from all of those medical programs to kind of adapt them to our market or whatever, but I mean, I completely agree. And honestly, that was something that I've said a million times that I loved about 788, and it sounds like you loved about Prop 64, was that it gave the patient access to medicine at home.
2: Well, Prop 64 actually was the adult use. And so that was when California went from medical only to adult use. And so California had always allowed access to medication at home. Right. and that's what I really love about Oklahoma is that they adopted that for sure. Um, it's one of sure. those few places, Oklahoma is one of those few places where you can have control of your own medicine. Mm-hmm. And I very much respect that. Um, but you, you, you tapped onto something that I've been saying since all of this started, you know, as other adopt other estates adopted, being from the Midwest, being from the, the Plains, I don't like actually calling us the Midwest because we're not the Midwest. We're the Plains, (laughs) Nebraska, South Dakota, Oklahoma. We're the grasslands Mm -hmm. of America. Like this is where cannabis should always have been grown. This is where cannabis is going to thrive. We are America's grasslands. And when it came to the policy, I watched based off of everything else in those progressive changing, decisions how everything else went and so look at let's say gay marriage for example California did its thing then the east coast came in and did their thing and then they went back and forth you know between the coasts of trying to figure it out meanwhile all of us here in the middle we were just like that's cool you all figure it out we're gonna wait we'll Figure <laughs> out what you do right what you do wrong you're done? Right. Great. Now hear it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we did the exact same thing with cannabis. We were just like, okay, yeah. you guys do your thing. You do your yeah. thing. We're going to watch. We see how you messed up. We see where you went yeah. right. Here you go. You're welcome. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. And in the meantime, you have a lot of people going, hurry, 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 hurry. <laughs> a lot of people on the other end, other end going, nope, nope, yeah. nope. You know, so.
2: and I'm really interested to see what's going to come out of South Dakota, because it's like if anywhere that I actually think might come out more progressive for cannabis policy than Oklahoma, it actually yeah. might be South Dakota, which is just going to completely blow my mind. And then it's going to become this like battle of progressiveness between Oklahoma and South
1: <laughs> that, but that's what I love though. That's the kind of competition. That's very cut to me, yeah. sometimes very healthy. <laughs> yeah. You know, how can we get this right before they get it right? I'm all for that race. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> well, because I'm on phone calls with people from all around, honestly all around the world at this point with Oaksterdam and, um, and, I, I, most conversations end up like as soon as they I say oh well I'm currently sitting in Oklahoma I mean I can see people's eyes light up and they're like what's yeah. it like
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've got uh, over the weekend I've got a friend that lives in Philadelphia and I don't know if you guys saw it but the Politico article on the billion dollars in sales yeah in Oklahoma and that's what she was just like Oh, my God. I grew up here. What have you guys? I mean, and it was she was proud, too, because, she knew I was part of the industry and she knew that all these great things were happening. But she was just like, is this my state? Is this, you know, what has come of this? But I mean, it was it was a proud moment for me to be back here and like her asking about those things and what was going on in the industry, because it is it's kind of feels like our own and we've done it a di- you know a little bit differently here. yeah i so, like the
0: way they laid theirs out too they, they did a really good job with that
1: yeah yeah
0: you know as far as telling the history and what's going on and what has happened and
1: what's and they kind of touched on all sides is sure. what i loved about yeah. that article it was just it's like let the world world know yeah you know it's, it's great yeah. proud of what we're doing here yeah. and glad to have you as a part of it i'm yeah, glad to now. be a part
2: of it you know, and as I was, I think I told um, James earlier that I'm new to Oklahoma. I'm two and a half months into my Oklahoma experience. Um, it was a short-term visit, you know, and like I told you with Tennessee, I came through on a road trip and I ended up staying. I have a feeling that's yeah. going to happen here as well.
1: We, we, <laughs> we, we've heard how your short-term stops turn out for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to Oklahoma for a while. <laughs> it can't be forever. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and so, you know, I've just been, I've really been touched by how generous, open, and honest people are here, but how genuinely excited people are, and that excitement is contagious. And one thing that a lot of other states do not get the opportunity because of how they set their laws up is innovation. Oklahoma has set themselves up to become leaders of innovation because they are not restricted by these laws that put them into a box or put them into these price ranges where it forces them to be successful with cookie cutter models rather than taking risks and losing everything. And So, you know, in those early California days, in those early Washington state days, innovation was there. Innovation yeah. is here now because of that low cost of entry, because of that accessibility. And I'm so excited to see all of these things that are coming out of Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I'm just over the last year, it's been amazing seeing everything just coming out, popping up and names that you haven't heard before. You know, it's just it's great. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, and two, I love how the cannabis community is handling it too. Yeah. Um, you know, you hear these terms thrown around so often, wild, wild west and things like that. And and it does, depending on who you're talking to, it kind of gives this image of you can go anywhere and there's cannabis everywhere and they're just handing out cards. And I mean, but the thing is, is I I love, there's a huge community and it's an enormous part of our community here in Oklahoma that is medical and first you know, and they want to know about this plan. It's not just about the dollars. It is about the backside, how it's helping people, how it's helping the state economically. Um, we really have embraced it. And I was, I, I'm a skeptic. I'm a pessimist. So I thought, hey, how is Oklahoma going to take a shit on this one? And it's, I'm, it, I, I, I say that being very proud, we of what still I've got, we still
0: got time. Sure,
1: no, don't get me wrong. Like I said, we have a history <laughs> of taking <laughs> shitting the bed, but I mean, for someone that you know has been in the industry as long as yourself and has been in so many different places, to feel that same way that I feel about my cannabis community here, it it does. It's reassurance to me to hear you say those things, yeah. and because you are, you do have that you know that outsider's you know that objective perspective on it. So, one, I'm so happy and grateful to have you as part of this community, but I love your perspective of seeing outside of it coming into it. Yeah. And so, it's reassuring to hear that.
0: So, so you said something about the Cowboy Cup earlier. Um, is am going to be doing something special there? Are you... Um more of the Cowboy Cup role. I am that definitely wearing two
2: hats for this. Event. <laughs> 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 two very big hats. <laughs> I'm trying to figure yeah. out how to wear them both. Um, yeah, no, we've we've been educating people in Oklahoma. Oaksterdam has been educating people in Oak- Oklahoma for, honestly, since the beginning of um, Oaksterdam's time. And so I love that you guys are just like, oh, well, we're, what, two years? Two years later now? <laughs> and, like, yeah, and I look yeah. at Oak, Oaksterdam's records, and I'm like, I've seen growers being educated since 1990 or, or 2008. Right. Since we since Oaksterdam started in 2007, there have been people from Oklahoma flying out to California to learn how to bring this medicine here. Oh, sure. And so it's been a long time coming, and it's been a movement for you all. And I would love to try and figure out a way to get an alumni event happening. But the problem with Oaksterdam is that we were so keen on making sure everyone was safe, that we did not keep records. We kept, you know, like a person's name. Oh, yeah. On a different document than their phone number, their address. And we have some email addresses, but most of them were burner email addresses. So actually connecting with our alumni before, I don't know, maybe the past four years, except for the last four years, maybe, connecting with our alumni is very difficult.
0: I bet. (laughs) It's like super secret society. It's so secret that we're
2: not even in it. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They've already had reunions. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're
0: celebrating somehow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And
2: I'm hoping, like my, my biggest takeaway, my biggest hope is that by having a booth at the Cowboy Cup, we're actually able to get reconnected with alumni that we've lost touch with.
0: Oh, that'd be great. And and I've done
2: a little bit of stalking. You know, thank you, Google. Thank you. You know, that's probably the only time you'll ever hear me say thank you, Google. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, it's listening, it don't worry. It's listening right now. Um, it hears me. It hears my gratitude. Um, but yeah, and so I was actually able to do some searches of names of people who were educated through the years that are in Oklahoma. And I've I've come across people who are, they've got dispensaries. They've got businesses going. Um, and it's it was really exciting to see that like, like. You know, very rarely do you stalk someone for a good reason. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So it's been nice to see that there is that alumni base here that chose to stay here. Because that was always kind of my concern as I got that that Oklahoma list from Oaksterdam of how many people got educated and never came back. Yeah. And it was really, it was nice to see all of the people who chose to get educated in something that was not legal in Oklahoma and come back and be part of that transition and be ready to launch when Oklahoma was ready and they're doing it. And so I'm really hoping that I'm able to connect with our alumni.
0: One of the big things I like about Oaksterdam is it's push for the i keep wanting to say the right way to grow medicine but um it's not necessarily the word i'm looking for but a a good clean way to to educate on people on how to help the community with good medicine you know rather than just how to grow a plant
2: right yeah
0: you know I, I very much applaud that
2: and you know and you make a good point cannabis is resilient you put a seed in the ground and something's going to probably come up. Mm -hmm. It's the human interaction that determines when that something becomes medicine. Right. And Oaksterdam really is about helping people connect with that, that innate part of themselves that is the medicine maker. And whether that means that you're coming in as the plant tender, the one who's going to cultivate and bring that medicine life or whether you're going to be putting it into a manufactured good using it at home however you're you're choosing to consume or bring consumable products to people it's about, Helping people connect to that innate knowledge that they have within themselves, and that passion that they have within themselves, and demystify and give you a clear direction of how to make your dreams viable. And yeah. it is really about what an individual already has within them. Sure.
0: Yeah, it's just bringing them out, bringing that out, and and being able to show them.
1: Light, I guess, for better. What? Well, it is really. And for Jesse, I mean, it's I kind of, I mean, if I kind of hear your story correct, it's you paying it forward. That's what someone did for you.
2: Absolutely. And isn't that what life is really about? It's just constantly paying it forward. Yes. The world
1: works so much better if that's kind of at the root of our actions. And no lead in our (laughs) children's world. Seriously, I'm not letting that one go.
2: (laughs) No arsenic, no lead. You know, I mean, I, I hate to say we learned a lot from Flint, but yet we learned nothing. But Flint was definitely this big wake up call for that necessity for clean water and access to clean water for communities as well as everything that was going on in South Dakota with you know the the water fight that our indigenous people that was what 2 years ago 3 years yeah right where two yeah i mean it's that is recent history that we still haven't even quite processed through yet
1: sure and well and not just that i think it i think it closed the gap on what we thought as americans of being a first world and a third world country is that's clean water right. You call yourself a first world country, you better be able to supply that to everyone in it.
2: Well, I don't know if you know that, gosh, what was it, about three years ago that the United Nations was actually investigating the United States for extreme poverty. And they actually cited California and Alabama as being the two concentrated areas that had the most poverty of all developed nations.
0: Hmm. I seem to recall something else from that as well. It has to be the record-setting for the largest spraying of pepper spray. Wasn't that during that time?
2: I wouldn't be shocked.
0: (laughs) We're just spraying them with pepper spray, all the the protesters and everything. Yeah, that's. I'm
2: sure that 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 record was probably broken this spring during a lot of the protesting.
1: Right. Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What strange times we live in.
1: It's a, It really is insane. And and so going back to what you guys at Oaksterdam, too, I and I just didn't want to miss this point that you had mentioned earlier about you guys have been around since oh seven, right?
2: Officially, yes, since 07.
1: Sure. Unofficially so,
2: 20, more than 20 years at this point.
1: Right. So, I mean, that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to highlight that for a second and say that, you know, in a lot of these now legal markets, you guys were there. You guys helped – lay the groundwork for a lot of these states you know innovation and pushing them into that legal market and things like that so i mean thank you guys for that and i mean i just didn't want that to be missed on that you guys were there mm-hmm. early on in every one of these markets probably i mean i know that you can't really go back with how you guys kept your records and actually prove that but i mean you're ve- it's very far-reaching well, we and so i mean I- there. A- we just can't yeah. find those people <laughs> <laughs> right. And we don't want to prove that anyway. But I mean, that's the thing is I think that we all have a little bit of gratitude to Oaksterdam and what you guys do because it has kind of laid that foundation
2: yeah. for a lot of yeah. those partners. And you know, even before Oaksterdam, um there were there were a couple key players. And so like Jeff Jones is one of them. Um and if you guys don't know the story of Jeff Jones, and I will connect you you guys with Jeff Jones, you will enjoy this interview. He's actually from South Dakota originally, but he is the guy who got protected by the city of Oakland. And when uh, California or Oakland decided to give access to patients, they -hmm. protected Jeff Jones and his company, and they put him into the Oakland constitution and actually protected him from the federal government so that he could, by bicycle, go from Oakland to San Francisco to all of these different areas and deliver medicine.
1: Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. And it's a pretty crazy story.
2: crazy story. <clears throat> I
1: love to talk with him. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah.
2: That is our, is Oaksterdam's founder's husband. And so right. when you look at the history of Oaksterdam, it really starts with, you know, those people, those frontline people who decided to make a stand, decided to go to the Supreme Court because he did go to the Supreme Court And he lost, but you know, he was pushing those envelopes and it was all those people who were pushing the envelopes. And it's really unfortunate that it was, and I I hate to bring the the race into this, but that it's the, the white people who actually got to make those stands and push those envelopes. And so now we do need to make this effort to bring in that equity and bring in that balance because it was on the shoulders of so many people of color that we were able to actually push all of this through. And now it's time to reach our hands back and to bring those people with us and to advance all of the people who were disenfranchised by the war on drugs.
1: Right. I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. I mean, this is something that here in Oklahoma, there are fields of cannabis across the street from prisons where people sit and can look out those windows at something that put them inside those walls. Yep. So you're absolutely right. It's time to reach back in there and give back to those and people. Get those people out of those walls.
2: Not- well, not
1: that, but they. We benefit. The cannabis industry benefits from those people nine times out of ten. Yep. You know, I mean, it, now, I mean, for I mean, for me, I mean, it's something that I mean, I'm in this industry, and I have never, since I've been in it, had to worry a single day about going to jail or losing my family. When these people, that's already happened to them.
2: I've, I've actually about only about it, ever once worried about it one time habits. in the past, <laughs> right. I don't you know, 10, 15 years, and I've been very nomadic, driving, going through states all over. And the only time I've ever been concerned for my own well-being was the first time I came to visit Oklahoma.
0: Honestly. <laughs> no way. Well, and there's the other side. of
2: <laughs> I got pulled over and I got put into his police car for over an hour.
0: Oh, wow. That's <laughs> not fun.
2: And I'm just sitting there like, I am a felony. I am technically a felony right now. Just keep right. it. Cool.
1: well you're talking to
2: us (laughs) well you know and honestly (coughs) what the trigger was was my hand sanitizer he could smell something in the car
0: wow (laughs) he thought it was alcohol right he
2: was looking for any grounds to 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 get in my car
0: sure oh yeah yeah Yeah. i got you
2: and so finally I was like, dude, it's my hand sanitizer. I sprayed my hand sanitizer. He's was like, oh, okay, that's it, yeah, okay. But I was still in his car because I had California plates, a Nebraska driver's license, and I was sitting in Oklahoma.
0: Well, you must be up to something right. so good.
2: And I pulled over because my tag light was out.
1: Right, yeah.
2: AKA California license plates.
1: Yeah, AKA, I'm gonna need to see what's in your trunk. <laughs>
2: And so honestly, that was the only time in my life where I was like, this is how I might go down. Like, how do I get bail set for me in Oklahoma? I know all of two people here right now.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) And now you're back.
2: And I came back. I still came back.
1: Ah, we (laughs) love it.
2: (laughs) Just now choose not to go back to El Reno.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've
0: been pulled over in El Reno. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I was pulled okay. over in
2: El Reno. I was pulled out in rural part outside of El Reno, so it was count. Oh, out. right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I'm glad you're still here. Well, I was gonna say. Me
2: too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Here's hoping the-, the police officer is not watching this video right now, going, "Wait, she was a felony, and I let her go." <laughs> <right>. Hold on. <laughs> so, wait <a> <laughs> And I was only a tech. I left money on the table, <laughs> man. <laughs>
0: wow! So you've been here for two and a half months. You think you're gonna stay here for another at least twenty-one years, <laughs> You're setting up shop in Tulsa.
2: I yeah, I've been I've been hanging out in Tulsa for the the past couple months. I'm currently sitting in Stillwater though, because the Cowboy Cup starts tomorrow yeah Um, and
0: and so oaksterdam themselves i mean and i know you're a rep and we're not just going over oaksterdam stuff but i'm curious while you're here um so you're looking at some more virtual based things or for oaksterdam Mm -hmm.
2: yeah and so well with the with covid and everything that went down we actually got all of our classes online so we had Uh, But we had all of our classes offered at at kind of like a self-paced kind of way. Um, And we have always had our in-person semester class. And so people have for, you know, the past 15, you know, 13 years have been flying out and spending three months of their life at Oaksterdam learning how to grow. And so we were able to take that in-person class and bring it into a classroom through Zoom. That's great. And so we're now bringing people from all over the world. I mean, I think not this current semester, or we just wrapped up a semester, but the semester before we had people from France, Germany. Um, We're actually talking to a a group of people in Thailand there's a lot going on there. We're talking to a group of people in Argentina. And so because of COVID, you know, there's very few things that we can be grateful that COVID helped, you know, in this world. And one of them is bringing cannabis education into your living room, you yeah. know, wherever you are in the world. And so we have been really looking, you know, we've been shifted to the <laughs> virtual model but we do understand that there are kinesthetic learners in this world. There are people who they need to experience putting that plant in the ground or, you know, transplanting, things like that. I've, I myself am a very kinesthetic learner. I learn by doing.
1: Same. Yeah.
2: And that's difficult. And I think a lot of our community is, especially in the cannabis space. I think a lot of cannabis, you know, people are kinesthetic learners. You know, you learn it, you do it, you teach it, or you do it, you learn it, you teach it. You know, that, that last part of it is always that you to really understand your knowledge, you have to be able to communicate it to another person. And so, you know, we want to make sure that people are getting that full experience so that they can talk to their community, talk to their parents, talk to their family, you know, about what they're doing. Um, And, and so, We've gone into this virtual model and the hope is, is that once it becomes safe for travel again, once it becomes safe for people to really get together in these, these tight communities, that we'll be able to start having hubs all around the country, where people who have taken our classes can come together and get that hands-on experience. That's anyway. great. And to me, Oklahoma, I mean, by no means is this an official statement that Oaksterdam's going to do this in Oklahoma, okay. but with how Oklahoma chose to set up their, their laws and allowing for that educational licensing to happen, it makes sense that at yeah. some point, Oaksterdam would actually end up having an in-person experience in Oklahoma, honestly, before the, the COVID thing shut down ended up happening, we had every intention of actually coming and doing a seminar style class in Oklahoma in 2020. And so right. having a five day intensive offering for people to learn horticulture and business and things like that, that was in the plans and it was going to be, you know, like August 2020, we were going to be in Oklahoma teaching people, you know, probably, you know, in Oklahoma City pretty much. And, you know, that plan got shot out the door. And hopefully, probably not 2021, because we're seeing how pandemics work. It is never a easy way out. Um, And so unlikely in 2021, but 2022, we definitely want to have those in-person experiences again. And no longer having it be about people coming to California or people coming to Oakland, because that is not a cheap thing, to move to Oakland for three months. Just living in California is an expense. And if we can bring that knowledge to people and bring it to to them in places where they already are and in places that are accessible, if they are not there to come for a period of time, then that's really where we're headed. Yeah. You know, we want to make sure that the knowledge is getting to the people.
0: You know, you're on, you know, when you know you're on the right path is, well, one, you don't have any more kidney stones. <laughs> right. that's always sure. good.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt, my friend.
0: <laughs> but whenever you start coming up with things and ideas and innovation that makes sense, so much sense, though, we forget. How desensitized we are at this! I mean, come on, in 2005 would it, would we have ever thought that we'd be learning in our living room on how to grow? Right. You know. Right. It, it, this is, and so we're so de, uh, we're desensitized to right. all of this now that we're a legal state mm-hmm. and everything, and everything just makes so much sense. It's the right path for us. Is what I'm trying to
1: say. Sure, sure. And I mean, and honestly, I mean, the perfect point is to, I mean, someone's interview like Jesse's is just because, I mean, I kind of feel like the whole time that you were telling your story, it did. You were kind of being pushed to where you needed to go. You know, it was your story to me has been all about your path, your journey and what got you there. And I mean, I think it does. I think James kind of hit it on the head with I'm kind of glad that you met up in our path and that we met up in yours. And I mean, this is where we're all supposed to be.
2: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I don't believe that the universe works in accidents. Right. You know, and I think that honestly, if we want to get into the whole like woo-woo of life, I think that people struggle because they're not listening. Yep. And that's where struggle really comes is when they're, they're fighting that, you know, that cultural shoulds. And, you know, it's like, you should do this. You should be educated. You should go to, you should, you should, you should. And it's when you stop listening to those shoulds and you start listening to everything else that is actually guiding you to your own personal power. Mm -hmm. That's the big disconnect I think that our culture has right now. We're so still locked in our shoulds and our guilt, shame and blame that we can't see that highest potential.
0: You become so locked in those that it's, you know, the measurement of of success is how busy you are, you know, and you learn that as a child, my, my son sees it. I, I, I'm aware of it, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, that right there alone is just, I mean, it's just another, why people say stop and smell the roses. You've got to really just take a minute and look at things. So,
1: Right. And we,
2: we're we lucky. We do often get to stop and smell flowers in our life. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: a lot. <laughs> a lot. Great smelling flowers. Yeah, I love for it. The most part. Yeah, I, I, lo- I, I don't complain about my job ever. <laughs> uh, and two that, you know, something that I, I heard in your story, too, that I kind of brings it back to cannabis or being rooted in earthly things, I guess, is you started your journey being in media unhealthy and the healthier you got to me. And what I heard in your story was the more rooted you got in earth.
2: 100% nailed it on the head there.
1: Right. And I love, I mean, the more I heard about, I was just like, man, she, you never said I'm getting healthier throughout your story, but it was an understood for me Mm -hmm. as you were telling your story. I was mentally, you were getting healthy. I could hear it. I could hear about the clarity that was in your story and your path started to become clearer and clearer. And I think it was because you were rooting yourself in things that were earthly.
2: No, 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I, I always, I ended up working at a K through 12 school for a little bit while I was down in in Tennessee and I was helping them with a, a garden project a lot. And I was helping them in different sort of classes. And, and I would often talk to the, you know, the 11th, 12th graders and, and I, they'd say, you know, what's your biggest advice? And I was like, run away from home at least once. Go to the world. Like, <laughs> you can always come back.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: You got to run away from home at least once in your life. Yeah. yeah my,
1: my, my wife, you know, I, I've got two daughters and it's something I don't ever want them to leave. You know, yeah. I, when I'm, I'm speaking honestly of myself, I don't. But that was something that always blew my mind about my wife. She was always like, I want them to go. I want them to spread not yeah. what, not in that sense, but she <laughs> them to spread their wings. Yeah. She's like, I don't want them to be anchored to Oklahoma, even though we love it and it's our home state. But I want them to have more of a journey, probably like you had, right. is just to go and see what was out there, so they don't limit themselves. Yeah. I remember one
0: time my aunt asked me why, because I moved. I have moved a lot in um, different cities and things like that, and. My aunt asked me one time, and it's always stuck out. You know, what do you enjoy about doing that? Why do you move a lot? And I said, well, honestly, I like being anonymous sometimes. You know, yep. um, it's it's a wonderful feeling of of not having to fit into a certain piece of the puzzle, right? And also experience other people's lives and other people and what how they live and mm-hmm. and and even like. In the beginning, whenever we were talking about the Cowboy Cup itself, you know, sitting back, letting people, you know, do their thing and then figuring out what is good for you. Right. You know,
1: well, and and too, I mean, I think you're right. I think sometimes when we let our guard down or those, like, as you put it, those shoulds is not only we find out a ton about ourselves, but you hit it on the head as we find out a ton about the people that we're around sometimes. Yeah. And that is comforting because then home is really wherever you are and wherever you feel comfortable and wherever you feel like family is surrounding you.
2: Absolutely. And one thing I I really picked up on a number of years ago was that power actually comes from vulnerability. It's kind of hard to accept sometimes, but being vulnerable and it's (laughs) terrifying. Oh my gosh. But actually having people who will come to you vulnerable And you being able to express yourself and be in a vulnerable space, that is a power.
0: The strength in it. It's a growth move. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, You learn a lot about yourself. I know that um, from experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It is very frightening because... you know, especially if you're someone that that has anxiety already, you're you're depending on other people at that point. So the anxiety of that alone. <laughs> so yeah, I totally get what you're saying.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, we appreciate you. What's the- for- that?
2: Oh, well, I was going to say, what do you guys think is in the future for Oklahoma?
0: A lot of cannabis. No, um, (laughs) I I agree with you on the hemp market. Um, You know, something big this way comes.
2: I mean, adult use is, is around the corner for you guys. Or yeah, us, because sure. yeah. I'm here now. It's all around the corner for us.
1: <laughs> us. That's right, girl. <laughs> You're one of us. Yeah, you
2: better
0: start acting like it. <laughs> You're going to get pulled over again for that yeah, hand have you sanitizer. Cha- have you changed
1: your tags? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, no, I, I really see... Um, yeah, we keep getting glitches there, but that's okay. But no, I, I really see myself, I see uh, cannabis, um, I see the education expanding in the right way. Um, and I also see acceptance from the community of being able to look at this as uh, a destigmatized medicine. And um, appreciate it for what it is and what it can do for humanity, not just on a commercial level, but but
1: from all levels, if
0: that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, I, I think we're just I, we're going to see more and more of it. Um. um oh,
0: yeah. That's.
1: Good. And I mean, really, I mean, as far as what I mean, I I see. I, I see, you know, thanks to people like you guys um, and people that you know I'm familiar with in the industry. I see the education growing. Um, I think it's it's something that we're seeing everywhere, um, good and bad. Um, I think that we're getting more wins than losses in that area as far as education and destigmatizing. Um, but for Oklahoma, I mean, I, I I don't know what we'll see, but I will, I hope to see more strength in our community. It's something that I'm very proud of with the Oklahoma cannabis community is that there is competition, but it's healthy competition. And we we share these ideas a lot with each other and we grow as a community. I hope to see a lot more of that, honestly.
0: We also have to keep in mind as well that yes, while we are a tight community, it still is a business. Sure. And it still is life. And there are people out there that are living their life. Um, And so society is going to come into play here. Uh, Cannabis, again, is not a magic pill that solves all problems. And so we have to understand that in our business associations, as well as our educational efforts. And so if we keep those things in mind and keep it in a positive way and be able to Josh and I would love to be able to contribute in every way that we can um, to help educate. Absolutely. You know, properly with clean medicine from other people, (laughs) you know, again, I'm not an expert in that. So,
2: and that's something that really starts with educating. Well, it doesn't start with, but also includes educating your politicians and I think that that's where you guys really get to, to be key players is that you are the voice for the people, you're the voice for the industry to that Oklahoma area and and you, you can create content that hopefully your politicians, our politicians can hear um, because access to clean medicine, it's not just access to medicine, it's access to clean medicine. Absolutely, and yeah. Clean medicine means having access to clean land clean water, clean air, all of those things. It's more sure. than just growing some weed out back.
0: <laughs> it is more than that, but you do have to start somewhere.
2: You do. You do.
0: And, and uh, I believe that, I mean, in my point of view, we started in a great way. And mm-hmm. um, we have good foundation.
2: I think so. Absolutely. You know, and one of the things that I saw that was going on in California right before I left a couple of years ago was you know you've got that Sonoma County and Mendocino County, which have historically been big wine country, Napa, all of those areas that started coming into the, the cannabis started coming into those those farmlands mm-hmm. and our wine industry ends up you have to have a lot of spring that happens. There's a lot that goes down and um in order to keep those grapes from being devastated. And Mm so when cannabis came in and California came in and said, no, we've got to have clean standards, that was part of that Prop 64, is that these are the standards in which defines clean medicine. And what was being sprayed even organically on grapes in Sonoma was blowing into the can is not what you can use organically on cannabis. So cannabis, like it's been shown that even those organic pesticides and fertilizers that are approved by the USDA, when you put fire onto them, they actually transmute and they become carcinogenic. Yeah, and so you've you've got that carcinogenic medicine then because you're growing organically. And so that's when cannabis had to start becoming beyond organic. Oklahoma hasn't quite brought all of that level in yet. Um, And and by no means is Oklahoma the only state that hasn't brought that in. Um, But that's the next wave, is that making sure that policy is supporting going beyond organic for this particular crop. And when you have a billion dollar industry that needs to have clean water beyond organic standards, it starts creating a ripple effect to all of the growers around them. And so I'm looking at Oklahoma in this like five year period going, you know, there's going to be some shifts because when that money is popping up through cannabis, you're going to have to look at all of the the hay fields and things like that and go, let's modify how you're growing because you're not the billion billion dollar industry that is keeping us floating right now yeah i mean i mean you're right though i mean but i think that when you
1: know when jesse was touching on specifically oklahoma i think too that not even just the farming industry that you have a oil and gas industry that is also not doing well yeah so you do have guys sitting on capital um to see a market that's budding, sure, you know. Yeah. You know, no play on, you know, pun intended. No, but absolutely. They I mean, I do think that you're going to yeah. see kind of a heavy-hitting agricultural hemp industry hopefully come out of this area.
2: Um, yes, or also collaboration. I mean, farmers are honestly right. really reasonable people. And so this is where we have to work collaboratively mm-hmm. with ourselves. And this is kind of where struggle comes in because when you've got hemp fields which is going to be grown outdoors, you have a five mile pollination, if not more, depending on your winds. And we got winds here. And so, Mm. and so you've got that hemp plant that is going to throw its pollen out. And as soon as it lands on its cousin, the cannabis plant, the medical plant, it is going to decrease the THC. It's going to change that particular plant and so Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we don't go to war with ourselves because there is this huge potential with hemp and we do love our outdoor sun-grown flowers and we want to support our outdoor sun grown and so we want to make sure that we're not going to war with ourselves well and
1: too you you also touched on something earlier i mean or you know we all kind of did that the industry that was here before doesn't necessarily leave a clean landscape to grow on so, there has to be a lot of collaborative effort, efforts initially to make sure that what we're growing on is clean. I mean, oil and gas and fracking has all been here for a very long time, and you you know you brought up mm-hmm. the issue that they had in California. well, I mean, it's not grapes here it's just oil and gas was here. So it is I mean I think you're very right that I mean we I think there's a big potential there, but it's a big also a big responsibility with I mean you know with all big you know things like that. <clears throat>
2: And and hemp has that power of actually, you know, as we were talking earlier, cleaning and regenerating our soil and our water. It just takes time. Same with mushrooms and things like that. Um, and there are aspects of hemp farming that doesn't have to be beyond clean. And so we've got things out there like textiles. We've got um, the whole hempcrete world, which is what I would love to get into is, is hemp building um, and those sorts of things. We don't have to like that can be that transition cannabis and that transition hemp that comes out can be put into these other things. And we can start allowing for those other markets to start thriving while also regenerating and cleaning our soil. Yeah. And water. Tell our
0: audience a little bit more about hempcrete. It's very interesting.
2: Um, all right. So hempcrete is. I'm a. I'm a big fan of natural building, Um, and so I've done. While I lived in Tennessee, I was doing a lot of um, natural building projects, you know, here and there, and so I came to to learn a lot about um, straw clay slip, these other kinds of you know cob housing things like that. Um, Hempcrete is in that natural building family, and so it's as simple as really taking, lye and water and hemp and putting them together and creating bricks. And it is concrete. It is strong. It is fire resistant and it is earthquake resistant because it allows for those natural materials. They allow for the vibration to go through instead of break apart. And so you know, and we never thought to actually talk about Oklahoma being earthquake land, but now you all know, unfortunately, it we is. got it all here. And so you got it all here now.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, and we, we can't run around with everybody running around with stucco on their house, you know. So this, that is wonderful.
2: It's not far from, yeah. And so you're able to take these, to take hemp, and you use that as that tinsel strength, you know, all of those fibers are, are crossing with each other and putting it in with that lye and that water and creating, sure. you know, with pressure. And it is a solid building material. You can build houses, you can build, you know, I wouldn't know, I don't know about skyscrapers or anything like that. I don't, that's not I my want a bridge with it. <laughs> I don't know if you can do a bridge. <laughs> but, <laughs> you
1: a <laughs> but you can build some um, nice houses and buildings and well and like you said even for this area i mean they're they're yeah. earthquake resistant and i mean we yeah. you know we've seen those issues we've had wildfires and you know in drought seasons and things like that you know i mean it it, it is and the, and the technology that
0: you know will come from yeah. that and you so know, and, and, and so you're, you're taking
2: that lime which if i know my geology of oklahoma you guys have lime down here And so you're taking things from literally your own backyard. You're no longer having to manufacture in labs to build your homes. You know, I don't know. And I don't know how much of this is common knowledge or how much is because of my intense interest of toxicology a number of years ago, but most homes are toxic for the first 10 years that they are built.
0: Right.
2: They're leaching into your air that you are breathing. And so we have the ability to create non-toxic homes. I'd like to figure out how to make people want non-toxic homes and to choose that over what we consider conventional building at this point.
0: And make them affordable.
2: And make them affordable. And even make it so that it supports the farmland in which it grew. You know, it's like you could actually have these hemp fields and you have that that hempcrete production right there. And it's hard to be a farmer. It's hard to make ends meet. If you have a neighborhood On your land, people are building right there. You're able to, I don't know, maybe grow food for them right there in their own backyard. You're able to maybe create an agriculture community. You know, we're looking in a world where right now 43% of of the U.S. is working remotely. Those who are working are working remotely, 43%. Mm. They're not expecting that to decrease once COVID goes away. Right. If anything, remote working will probably increase
1: Right, because we know we can do it.
2: Yeah. You are no longer required to live in a city.
1: Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and not just that, but COVID has made people second guess whether they want to or not anyway. Right. Right.
2: And so are we at that tipping point where we're ready for agriculture communities?
1: all these hippie ideas that you guys have we've been talking about oh you're talking about communes yeah listen you take your weed houses (laughs) jesse no
2: no communes i tried that (laughs) one at one point we all have we all have made our mistakes of the past (laughs) There's definitely an importance of having autonomy
1: (laughs) you know you know honestly the the i and this is just something that i'm taking away from a lot of my conversations that have happened in the last year, but the reason I love this one is that there's, it hasn't been doomsday. You know, it's, you have an answer, you have a solution. We're just kind of moving forward in what this new world or whatever you want to call it is, and not so much talking about how the world is ending. And I, I love that about this conversation. There's like this ray of hope at oh. the end of it as opposed to, well, COVID's here forever and I hope you enjoy living in your house. Oh, you can easily go there. I
0: mean.
2: Optimistic realist. I will tell I, I, I them dig them. it. No problem. But I have to have some sort of light at the end of a tunnel or I will lose my mind. I mean, that's a lot of why I ended up moving down to Tennessee is because I had to get away from, I was in this whole toxicology world and there was no good coming out of anything. I was like, we are, can I cuss here?
1: <laughs> Fuck I'll, no. I'll
2: just, I'll censor myself. We're screwed.
1: Right. <laughs> in terms of
2: toxicology world. And I had to go to the woods in order to ever come back out. Like I had to, I, cause I was, I was just like, there was no hope.
0: Yeah, right.
2: And the only thing that I could start saying to myself is, you know, like, there were little tricks that I started saying to start switching that mindset out of my doomsday. And, you know, it's like, I would say things like, and it sounds so weird, but like, man, I'm so glad that this isn't the only planet I reincarnate on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right
2: <laughs> like because i feel alien on this planet and so i'm like if i'm if i'm an alien and i'm not from this planet and i'm just here right now then at least i can go somewhere the next time because we are screwing this one <laughs>
1: yeah. at least you have somewhere yeah. to go
2: <laughs> so i got that going for me right you know like just those little things that are like that I trick my mind with that yeah bring me optimism <laughs> <in> yeah <weird. laughs>
0: There are a lot of little things that you can do, cognitive behavior, just to try to trick yourself into being smile, you know? I've set up strategically pictures whenever I walk into my garage, to my car that make me smile. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I heard, I can't remember who it was on a podcast, but they were talking about how, what if, Instead of every time somebody, and this kind of sounds a little, (laughs) but uh, whenever somebody asks you how you're doing, what if instead of saying, all right, or yeah, what's up, you say awesome or something positive, very much more positive than just a typical greeting, Mm -hmm. and you'll see over just a few that you really are doing pretty awesome. You know, and it's it's kind of amazing anyway.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, it is. A trick
2: that I I picked up was I stopped saying sorry. I started saying thank you instead. And so anytime I would go to say sorry, like, gosh, sorry I'm late. You know, instead I was like, thank you for accommodating my needs. Right. I started giving gratitude instead of giving myself shame
1: sure it's it's a pattern of positive thinking that's a good point because i do that a lot i say i'm sorry a lot oh that's how i generally enter a room <laughs>
2: right i know
1: <laughs> sorry guys i'm here that's a hard <laughs> i'm gonna try that i really am that's what i'm saying like this conversation i've loved it because it's brought me so much like little hope and like mm-hmm. these little just points of light that yeah, we are you can make
2: positive change if you're getting too down in the drudges yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah well like i said i mean we're we're so happy that you're here and that you're one of us (laughs) with all of your crazy weed house ideas and (laughs) 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 no but truly though i mean i i am i every anytime i meet someone that because we are with this the cannabis industry in oklahoma we're seeing more and more people that are coming from different areas and things but it's it was great to finally meet you um and it's always so refreshing that kind of no matter where we're coming from in these points of the world, that we all kind of have this foundation that's similar. Yeah. That what our goal is and what we all have as far as what we consider clean medicine and a good industry and a happy life and things like that, It's it, it gives me hope. It gives me hope for sure. And and again, thanks for being a, a part of our kooky state. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm ready to see you this
0: weekend at the, at the cup. Yeah.
2: I will see you in like less than 24 hours. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's going to be oh, a good time for sure. It's awesome. We'll be yeah. there. Setting up, thank uh, you for stage arranging stuff. all
2: the, like, a bunch of musicians coming. You yeah. Know,
0: quite a few. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun time. And actually, Josh and I are going to be there. We're going to um, try to do some lives and some, some games and stuff too for Truly Medicine nice yeah. uh, so anyway it's gonna be
2: a fun time it yeah it's gonna be a blast i am really looking forward to it um and i'm i'm really glad that oklahoma has gotten behind the whole like community first yep and build that community and you know and it, i i know that it's a cup it's a competition and you know it's hard to have community and competition in the same thing actually it's not it's actually yeah. really easy to have community and competition yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ever been to a pie eating contest? <laughs> that's pretty damn fun.
2: Comes out a winner. Everybody
1: wins, though.
2: Might <laughs> not have money, but you got a belly full of pie, so you're a right, winner. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, and two things I mean, the thing that I've always, I mean, is it is there, I mean, there is competition there, too, but it's also about the patient, too. And that's something that they've always made apparent. Um, yeah daniel's awesome about that yes so, so that's the thing is it's there's something there for everyone yeah um whether if you're going for educational or just sheerly entertainment or to network there literally is there's something there for everyone so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a fun time and look out, police. I'm
0: packing hand sanitizer in my car. <laughs> I don't have California license plates, but I do have hand assigned to sanitizer. I probably I think part started. of the
2: problem was that I make my own hand sanitizer. And so it, it was like all of the essential <laughs> oils and he was yeah. just like it smells like Jägermeister in hey, here. <laughs>
1: <it
2: not>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm not 20.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Who are you talking to here? Yeah, it must be a slow day. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you out there, Jesse. Thanks so much for coming on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. Well, Thank you welcome. so much. Thanks Everybody for- out there. If-
2: Had a blast.
0: Yeah. If you want to uh, help out the show, all you got to do is share it. Um, let's continue to break Mark Zuckerberg's heart. Let people know. Um, we're not doing any paid advertising um, on Facebook. Nope. We're depending on our community and people letting people know that we are here. And um, we don't want to give any more to Mr. Zuckerberg. Yeah. So.
1: Well, and to, you know, go out, support oaks University and what they're doing as well. I Absolutely. mean, education first, which is something we preach on the show you know, head and feet above the rest. And it's a great thing that they're doing. Come out to the cup, come and enjoy your cannabis community, Oklahoma. Um, if there's someone that needs to hear these podcasts, please share it. Um, if there's someone who wants to tell their story, get them in touch with us. But take care of each other out there, folks. It's been a crazy, crazy year. Jesse, thank yeah. you so much for being on the show folks stay medicated and take care of one another.
0: Hey, Jesse. Um, so just to be clear, the, for Instagram, mm-hmm. it's Oaksterdam. O-A-K. S- O-A-K.
2: Yes. O-A-K-S-T-E-R-D-A-M. University. Right. Uh, at Instagram. Also Facebook. Twitter is just at Oaksterdam. You can find us on LinkedIn. And sign up for our newsletter because while we do give specials online, and we will give, you know, we'll put those specials out there. If you're on our newsletter, you often find about the secret specials that come out um, for great savings for huge discounts.
0: Yeah. And you can sign up for classes and all that too on your website.
2: Yep. We on- got free classes. There's nothing better than free education.
1: <laughs> well, nothing. It's power, folks. Get out there and learn.
2: Free cannabis. but <laughs> uh, we're not there where we can have free cannabis yet. So free it. is the next customer? Yeah.
1: thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it.
0: All right, Jesse. We'll see Thanks, you. Jesse.
2: I'll see you guys tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Okay. See ya.
0: Bye.